All right, Nick Smart, AFC North preview day. You and I talked a little bit off air. I think we both agree that the NFC West is a little tougher to suss out. With that said, I think this is one of the toughest divisions to pick a winner in. So who do you have winning the AFC North? Give me the team formerly known as the Cleveland Browns, but currently known as the Baltimore Ravens. I think the Ravens are going to win this division this year. I have too many offensive line concerns with the Steelers. And I might sound foolish right now, but I, I like bringing in Sammy Watkins as an over as an upgrade over uh, Willie Sneed. I, I think the Ravens uh, have all they need. Uh, barring Lamar Jackson faceplant slash injury, I think they're in a good spot to win this division. What do you think? I'm taking the Ravens as well, and some might accuse me of trying to reverse jinx that team, uh, and I refuse to engage with those accusations, regardless of how valid they may be. Uh, Given that we've gone alphabetically, we will start with the Baltimore Ravens. So when you just look at the list of key players lost versus key free agents or trades added, the list of people leaving is much longer. Uh, you, of course, have Mark Ingram who left, but you also have guys that we've talked about already, like Orlando Brown, Willie Sneed, and Yannick Nagaku. Nagakwe? Anyways. Um, and then there's, like, other pieces that, like, aren't as big a deal. You know, the, the Des Bryant experiment is over. The Robert Griffin experiment may or may not be over. They brought in Villanueva, which I, I don't know if it's an upgrade or not, but it's something. Um and Sammy Watkins, I think, is a nice piece. My fear with him is just like you don't know it's over until it's over. And Sammy Watkins is a person of an age that we might just see it being over for, you know, sooner rather than later. With that said, like Lamar Jackson's an explosive player. All the issues and concerns I had with him from his first year seem to be put to bed. Their defense, I think, is a little old. And you, you always worry about that. Um, you know, when we take a look at these uh, Warren Sharp football previews, there's an asterisk between every player who's over 30. Uh, that Ravens defense has an awful lot of asterisks on it. Mm -hmm. Especially up front. Especially up front. Yeah, their D-line is getting old. But I, I think Calais Campbell still has mileage. I think Brandon Williams is going to be fine. Yeah, and and this is in, in no way, shape, or form me saying, like, this is a team that you would count out. So in football, more often than not, the team with the most talent wins. I think the Ravens probably have the most talent. And, you know, huge week two game, Kansas City at home, Sunday night football. That's more or less the toughest matchup they have this year. Not that it gets much tougher than Kansas City, but there's, you know, they get to face Cincinnati twice. They get to face the Steelers twice, who may not be that good. They get to face Miami, who might take a step back. They get to face Minnesota, who needed to take a step up. So, uh, you know, and not to mention Detroit. So there's there's lots of narratives out here, but the fact of the matter is their schedule isn't super tough. And they're in a division that might have two bad teams. Yeah, Ravens look real, real good right now. So of all those players you named, uh, free agent losses, the one that does concern me, and uh, we were talking a bit about him last week when we were talking Chiefs football, is Orlando Easy, Easy Money Brown Jr. Um, big fan of his. I'm not convinced the Ravens kept the right guy 
Now, Ronnie Stanley's still on pop, coming off a major injury. Um, of course, they've already paid Ronnie Stanley, went healthy, obviously one of the best left tackles in the sport. But I don't know. I, I just think in a couple of years, Orlando Brown's going to be the guy they wish they kept. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Stay tuned. Yeah, I like this team a lot. I, I think uh, Patrick Queen, the linebacker, is going to take another step, uh, their first rounder from last year. Yeah, I mean, I did note how the, the D-line is a bit older, but I still see effective football players. Still got Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey. I mean, any given Sunday, Marlon Humphrey's a top two, top three corner in the league, if not on any given say the number one guy, right? Uh, Deshaun Elliott, I like this defense. Uh, yeah, I, I don't have very many negative things to say about this team. As long as they keep running the football, which... I'm sure they will because it's the same coaching staff as always. Look for J.K. Dobbins to get a ton of work. Uh, of course, Gus the Bus Edwards, once he's uh, off the COVID list, is going to get a ton of work. I mean, there's a reason Mark Ingram was phased out of this offense late last year. It wasn't so much. I mean, it was probably a little bit to do with Ingram's performance and what they deemed him having left in the tank. But I think more it's what was ahead of him with Dobbins and, and Gus the bus Edwards, justice Hill guys like that. Yeah, no, I, I like this team a lot. Uh, one under the radar guy they brought over from Jacksonville tight end, Josh Oliver. I don't think it would be the strangest thing in the world. If either Mark Andrews or Nick Boyle get hurt and we suddenly find ourselves scrambling to the waiver wire to pick up Josh Oliver in fantasy. I think we're doing a little bit of a love in here, so I'm going to give you the Warren Sharp, pardon me, Warren Sharp, why to bet the under on the Ravens. Mm -hmm. uh, Ravens finished high in multiple luck categories last season, which could regress and negatively affect their win total. Not only did the Ravens fumble the most on offense in the NFL, but they recovered 75% of their own fumbles, the highest rate in the NFL. For those of you that don't follow this, there there is a significant portion of the stats community that will say, recovery of fumbles is a serious luck stat so getting a number as high as 75 percent over the course of a year which is a pretty large sample size um is pretty impressive mm -hmm. and then the thing that you and i have talked about before and i think always has to be the caveat with the baltimore ravens lamar jackson is always one bad hit away from a major injury due to his heavy rushing exposure uh, and they more or less do not have a backup quarterback situation no. there right now no uh Right now, Trace McSorley and Tyler Huntley, yep. two guys uh, Baltimore's hoping won't be getting any starting action this year, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, do we think Baltimore is the best team? Sure. If Lamar Jackson gets injured in week one, everything we're saying, you know, not just for this year, but long term, uh, could be in doubt, I think. A couple of the details that we usually give uh, on the preview I just skipped over on Baltimore. Over under 10.5, minus 167 is the best number you can get. Sharps got the projection at 11 wins. Football Outsiders at 10.6. Anything else on the Ravens before I move on here? A uh, quick fantasy note at their wide receiver position. I had Marquise Hollywood Brown in a couple of leagues last year, and I was expecting bigger things, but the volume's just not there. This offense can really only support one receiver in most weeks, not even that. So assuming it's going to be Brown, you have to wonder about the guy they just took in the first round, in the first round, Rashad Bateman. Uh, of course, Sammy Watkins, I noted they brought over, and they've still got a guy named Miles Boykin who I, I think uh, is probably going to end up on another team getting some opportunity. 
in the years to come, and then we'll finally look back and like, oh, geez, it's a shame Baltimore didn't use that guy. Even if uh, kick him into tight end, he's a big wide out. So, yeah. Fantasy-wise, I'm just, you know, the volume, don't expect it to be there. They're going to run the football a lot. And I guess the last thing worth mentioning is shout-out to Justin Tucker, right? I mean, still one of the best kickers in the game, one of the best fantasy kickers, and uh, you can certainly do much, much worse. I, I think in a couple of years from now, if Justin Tucker stays at the the pace and career trajectory that he is at, uh, in a couple of years, uh, we could be maybe talking about him as a possible GOAT at the position. Now he hasn't hit the big, you yeah. know, Super Bowl winning kicks that say a Venetarius hit or a, a, you know, a Morton Anderson, I guess, or some guys like that. But stay tuned on Tucker. I mean, he does have a ring, right? So yeah, I think the issue with Tucker is that the the kind of not like when I say issue, I mean the thing that will stop him from being the goat is just the level of high pressure kicks that Vinatieri kicked. I I have a hard time imagining there's going to be another guy who kicks what is it like three game winning either conference championship or Super Bowl winning kicks. Um, And to pair with that kind of longevity among two storied franchises, right? I mean, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, rings with multiple teams, I think. So, uh, yeah, tough, tough situation there. I I say tough, like, oh, you're the second best kicker we've ever seen. Yeah, exactly. That's how it goes. The Cincinnati Bengals are one of the more interesting teams coming out of the offseason. Vegas has the over-under at 6.5. You can get it at minus 101 over at Pinnacle. Sharp projects 6.5. Football Outsiders a little more bullish at 7.5. And in a way, you could say that it all comes down to quarterback here. I don't think that's completely true. Because we're looking at a team who lost their quarterback last year because their offensive line was a complete shit show and got him murdered. And you also don't know the injury situation of a guy coming back from an injury that severe. Um, Now, like Dak Prescott, I think he's been saying all the right things and intends to play and everything's great and my life is good and I've never been so happy to be a quarterback. But you also lost A.J. Green. Who knows what was left in the tank there? Um... But, you know, there's John Ross, the the white whale of, of my own making. You know, there, there are pieces that have disappeared. It's almost impossible to imagine that the team's not better, though. Um, they upgraded the offensive line, I thought, bringing in uh, Reef. You know, I always say this guy's name, Chidobe Awuzie. I've always thought that guy was like a little underrated, actually, at corner. Yep. Yep, he was great for the Cowboys. Yeah, you put him in games, and he's just kind of making plays. I think you and I disagree on if it was a good idea to take a wide receiver with that number five pick. I think it would have been smarter to take that offensive line help instead of upgrading a position you could have found elsewhere. Oh, yeah, there's there's no doubt the the pick should have been Sewell, uh, yeah. the kid the Lions took. Okay, he fell right into their lap. Yeah, so we don't agree, but or disagree. Pardon me, but like, yeah, they think that they got something special here with chase and burrow and if they do that six and a half number looks not particularly interesting if they don't you've got a quarterback who has to run for his life on one leg and we know how that story usually ends so upside sure 
lots of upside. But I still have this team finishing fourth in the division. Uh, what say you? As Joe Burrow goes, will this team go, right? Uh, I mean, I think it's as simple as that to to not be uh, too simplistic and just point to the quarterback. But, I mean, this guy is their franchise, right? I mean, you saw it when he went down last year. They were they were right there with everybody, I thought, until he went down. Um, uncharacteristically, went out in free agency and, and spent big on a guy named Tra- Trey Hendrickson, who I was – huge on with the saints last year i mean i don't know if it was a product of playing on the other side of cam jordan but uh this guy was just racking up the sacks and getting zero credit for it so it's nice to see uh the Bengals were paying attention and rewarded them as such in free agency of course they brought a the aforementioned uh, a woozy over from the cowboys um yeah no they weren't messing around it wasn't uh your grandfather's Bengals in free agency this year. Uh, Jonah Williams, their first-round pick in 2019 at left tackle. They're going to need a big year out of him. More importantly, they're going to need him to stay in the lineup. Uh, T. Higgins at wideout. Big fan of that guy. I love him. I just You have to wonder, though, with Tyler Boyd still in town, obviously Jamar Chase now in town. I know A.J. Green's in Arizona, but you just have to wonder what one of those three guys is going to be the odd man out. My guess is it's probably going to be Boyd, even though I don't think it should be Boyd, but T Higgins, Jamar Chase, bright futures with Joe Burrow. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's not that I don't like this team. It's just, you know, they, they don't have the depth of the Ravens. They don't have the talent of some of the other teams. They're heading in the right direction, but the O line's still going to need some work. There's probably a, a pass rusher short. I mean, Trey Hendrickson's not going to be able to do it himself. Uh, DJ Re- Reader in the middle. Uh, I like that, but I don't know. We'll see what Jesse Bates the third has got at safety. Von Bell. There's some question marks on defense. Um, yeah. Hopefully Trey Waynes can stay uh, healthy for once. Yeah, not really much to say about the special teams. I mean, you know, it's a respectable roster, but it's not, I mean, especially in this division, right? I mean, if this team was in a weaker division, uh, I, I would obviously be much higher on them, but I don't know. Playing uh, the Ravens twice, the Steelers twice, and, you know, what could be a tough Browns team twice. Uh, I think the Bengals uh, for sure finish fourth in this division. Yep. Facing the fifth toughest schedule oh, uh, in the league. Um, minor detail, but just kind of upping your pressure point. Cincinnati was the only defense in the league that had a lower pressure rate on third and fourth down than on first and second down. Unacceptable. Uh, uh, criminal. Like, how does that happen? Hmm. Yeah. Oh, well. It's uh, another reason it's not your grandfather's Bengals anymore. Guys like A.J. Green and Geno Atkins aren't on this team. I mean, that's the first time... In what, five, eight years that you can say that for either of these guys? Uh, Geno Atkins, I didn't realize I'm seeing now, is scooped up by the Cowboys. So, yeah, wow. That's, uh, if he works out, if he's healthy for the Cowboys, watch out, man. Because uh, he, he can still play some ball. All right. The Cleveland Browns, if you want to go to sports interaction, over nine and a half is going to, run you $233 to win 100 
if you go over to Pinnacle, the number's 10 and a half and the under is $120 to win 100. So, you know, if you kind of mesh those numbers together, it looks like the projection's around 10. Sharps got it at nine and a half. Football Outsiders at 8.6. I love the under on these teams. And in fact, there's a good chance that I'm just going to go over to Sports Interaction right now and drop uh, a little bit of money on that under for the under nine and a half. I think that team overperformed last year. I think teams didn't know what they were getting out of head coach uh, Mike Stefanski. Wait, Kevin. Kevin Stefanski. Thank you. Yeah. I knew I, I knew I was doing something wrong there. Um, and what you got was a run-first offense that kind of mirrored what you saw in Minnesota. Frankly, something people should have been expecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't believe in Baker Mayfield. And I say this as a person who once believed in Baker Mayfield uh, because the attitude he showed in that first year where they got rid of Marvin Lewis and then, uh, pardon me, not Marvin Lewis. Uh, He went over to work with Marvin Lewis. Anyways, we'll come back to it. Uh, You know, he he had a leadership attitude, which I liked. I don't see enough on the football field from him to feel much better than that. Um, I believe you were searching for Hugh Jackson. Yeah, that fucking... Who somehow managed to get a deal after going 0-16, which is that, like, if you want to know something about the Browns, well, there are things... You know, bringing Greg Williams to take over at that point as the interim, uh, to which the league, I'm sure, was like, no, we don't do that. A year of Freddie Kitchens, a big yikes there. And then finally, Kevin Stefanski, who was, you know, last year voted coach of the year, I think, in some Mm -hmm. ways appropriately. I think their defense is scary. I want to be real clear on that. I think their defense is probably the scariest in the league. Uh, Not not in all of the league, but like uh, as far as improvement goes from what what they looked like two years ago, huge jump. Mm -hmm. I... I don't love that offense. I don't that the two headed monster at running back, I think is very scary, but I don't trust Baker to do much more than that. Mm-hmm. I think last year was a flash in the pan. Cleveland is still Cleveland. Cleveland will always be Cleveland. There are death taxes in the Brown socket football. They will finish third in this division. They may finish fourth. If Cincinnati has a little bit of a bounce back here. Uh, yeah. I hate this team. Yeah, I think you're right. I I don't think the Browns finishing fourth is out of the realm of possibility. Uh, I think if the Bengals have a a hot start and the Browns uh, get out of the gate slow, that certainly could be the case. Um, They brought over Jadavian Clowney this year. Now, Clowney just needs to stay out there because he's got Miles Garrett on the other side. So Clowney is going to see a ton of single teams Something, you know, he's not very, you know, everywhere he's been up until now, he's been the guy getting the double teams. So if he can just stay out there on on, on two healthy legs, which I'm not even sure is the case. So I, I was going to ask you, over like, gun to your head, like, you know, on your life, over, play 10 games? over under six and a half games for Jadavion Clowney. Oh, oh. It's a lower number than I thought you were going to well, give me. Well, ten, so because 10, you say no for sure, but... I feel like six and a half is a little more realistic. Okay. 
I, I'll take the over on that. I think he plays eight games. Um, but I think they're going to be eight effective games because, like I said, Miles Garrett is getting all the attention, and rightfully so, uh, richest pass rusher in the history of the sport. Um, yeah, so what I love, too, is they brought in one of my white whales, Tack McKinley, who, uh, of course, has had you know cups of coffee with the Falcons and the Raiders and, and a bunch of failed failed uh, post-trade uh, physicals that have then nixed the trades. He's got a bad shoulder, but I, I think his shoulder's healthy now. Um, man, he's when he was healthy at times with the Falcons, he was an effective pass rusher. So for him to be your third pass rusher, I think you're in a good spot. Uh, they brought in Malik Jackson, of course. Uh, you remember him when he was winning a Super Bowl with the Broncos and Peyton. Went and got paid by the Jaguars. Had a cup of coffee with the Eagles. Now, obviously, with the Browns. He's going to kind of replace more of the Sheldon Richardson uh, role. So I, I like this front four a lot. Don't really know what to say about their linebackers. I like Mac Wilson, but it doesn't look like he's going to be starting for them. Former Super Bowl MVP Malcolm Smith in there as a reserve. But yeah, I, I, I mean, we'll see what they get out of their starters, right? Uh, Denzel Ward, as always the case, just, you know, when he's out there, he's great, but he doesn't play a ton of football. It's always something with him. And you know what? You might as well put Greedy Williams in there too, right? Um, the Browns heavily, heavily invested in their in their in what they were hoping was their two starting corners of the future, Denzel Ward, Greedy Williams. You know, I'm not sure it's happened is kind of they've hoped there. Um, now they just took Greg Newsom in the first round, so – our lads has that as Newsom penciled ahead of Williams. Uh, stay tuned on that one. They're getting Grant Delpit back, who they took in the second round last year and basically had to redshirt his rookie year. So anytime you you spend a first or second round pick on a guy and then you kind of get him as a rookie the next year, it's kind of like you know uh, icing on top of the cake to an already you know decent draft class. So that's going to be a good feeling. Troy Hill. They've got some talent, you know. John Johnson can ball. Uh, I, I like some of the guys uh, on defense, but I do have concerns about those linebackers. We'll see. Obviously, on offense, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, enough said there. I think on any given day, if Derrick Henry is the best back in the league, Nick Chubb could very well be number two. And, yeah, uh, we'll see what uh, we'll see what they get out of their O-line, right? I mean, they paid Jack Conklin big money to come over and play. Jedrick Wills, they took over for some guys last year. We'll see what they get out of them. But I, I still think the biggest storyline is Odell Beckham Jr., right? I mean, what Odell Beckham Jr. are they going to get? How much of a diva is he going to be? Uh, can he stay healthy? If he's healthy and he doesn't get his balls, is there going to be theatrics on the sideline? I would say yes to that one. Uh yeah, I, I think uh, that's the storyline. And also, too, if Baker Mayfield can can continue and, and build off. I don't think the Browns are looking for him to take a huge step from last year. I think they'd just be happy if he showed up he and replicated. That. Yeah, Exactly. If he can just come in and replicate what he did last year. But you have to wonder if there's either – I feel like Baker might be at a fork in the road here. And he's either going to get better this year or he's going to revert back to where he was two years ago, which was, oh, my God, we got to draft a guy because this isn't our guy type thing, right? Last thing I got to say is the tight end position. They they made Austin Hooper temporarily the richest tight end in the sport when they brought him over from Atlanta. 
Harrison Bryant they love. He's not going anywhere. That leaves David Njoku, first-round pick for the 2017 draft out of my University of Miami Hurricanes. Look for him to be wearing a different jersey by the trade deadline. And if I'm wrong about that, then I've missed I've missed the ship on that one. But I, I think I'm going to be absolutely spot right. They tried to move him last year. Didn't really happen. They had an injury. They ended up needing him. But, yeah, I, I, just, I don't see them keeping three deep at tight end like this. So stay tuned on that. Maybe it will be a late training training camp type deal. I don't know. But I, I would expect David Njoku is going to get a fresh start also. Just on the Njoku front, like, I think nobody wants to give up anything for him. No. Yeah, which is really what's happening. Like, something should have happened at the draft, you would think, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think the problem is it's, it's kind of like Denzel Ward, but, like, to a much lesser extent. Like, the guy can play. He's got the body of a, a Greek god. You know, he, he's Same. a freak athlete, but it's always something. It's his rib or it's his hand. You know, like, there was always something. It's ticky-tacky stuff. So, yeah, hopefully he can put it together and, and stay healthy this year because I, I do think the guy's a freak, and I, I am positive his best football is ahead of him. That's for sure. And uh, before we switch teams, can I can I go get one more thing about the Bengals? I somehow didn't mention Joe Mixon and mm-hmm. uh, the situation they've got there. I mentioned Geno Atkins and A.J. Green, but you know what? Gio Bernard is also gone. I mean, when was the last time you followed a Bengals team from a fantasy perspective and didn't wor- have to worry about Giovanni Bernard vulturing touches? He's yeah. now with the Tampa Bay Bucks. I like the addition there. He's going to be a good receiving back for them. But circling back to Joe Mixon, this is going to be the biggest workload he's had yet. I guess the main question is, can he stand up to it? Can he not end up on IR, right? I mean, they've got Samaje Perrine right behind them, but I, I think we all know with his journeyman history that he's not going to exactly blow uh, the wheels off any defense. So, yeah, they need Joe Mixon to stay healthy uh, because, yeah, if you have him in a keeper league in fantasy, uh, I'm almost saying get this one last year out of him and then maybe look to move him at the end of the year because he could be getting Larry Johnson-type carries this year. We'll see. Stay tuned. Analytics people will tell you they hate looking at things in a vacuum. They try to look at bigger pictures. The Browns finished last season with a negative 11-point score differential, the only team in the NFL not only to make the playoffs with a negative point differential, but also the only team to win at least nine games. I don't know if you remember these games. It was either they were getting blown out or they were winning squeakers. It was an yep. unusual yep. thing to say the least. Um, yep. They need some of their DBs this year to get their hands on the ball. Simple as that. They need some interceptions. Denzel Ward's got to stay healthy. It's as simple as that. The Pittsburgh Football Steelers, I believe more commonly referred to as God's team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay. If that if the Steelers are God's team, what, the Jets are the devil's team? I, I mean, mean, you've got to think, right? And they happen to play in the same state that calls their hockey team the devil. So, right? so yeah, well it vote. all tracks. Yep. So I will start. Shout, shout out to Dougie Hamilton, by the way, who just got paid by the devils. Man, we'll get on get to that your one money. later. So, I will start by noting that at the end of last season, there was no uh, 
group of fans more unhappy with an offensive coordinator than Pittsburgh Steelers fans. It was apparent from midseason on that the Steelers offense was a bit of a one-trick pony, that everybody knew what was coming and that eventually defenses could just sit on the short ball uh, and, and make those short, quick passes much more difficult. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, Warren Sharp would be quick to point out as well that opposing teams got much more difficult as the season wore on. There was a bit of an easier schedule in, in the front end. And I think it's important to note that this year, the Pittsburgh Steelers have the hardest schedule in the NFL. So I do not want to make this a love-in for my favorite team. There are serious and real reasons to not believe that this team will do as well as they have historically done. Uh, their numbers set at eight and a half in both books. You can get it at over eight and a half minus one eighteen at Sports Interaction. Uh, Sharps got them at eight and a half. Football Outsiders at eight point eight. And I think most of those numbers come from the defense, the head coach, and an unknown running back. I don't think there is a reasonable case to be made right now that Ben Roethlisberger is going to lead you to the promised land. There was even uh, some drama in the offseason as Ben was unceremoniously informed that like he was going to have to take less money if he wanted to continue to play quarterback for the team. Uh, he did, but he's also pushing 40. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, these, these guys put asterisks beside players who are over 30. So, why do I believe in this team? Well, I think this is the one last hurrah for Ben Roethlisberger. And it's either going to work or it's not. And if, it's, if I'm wrong about this, I'm going to be spectacularly wrong. Uh, I am taking the over 8.5. I am taking the Steelers to make the playoffs. I'm taking the Steelers to make it to the conference championship game. It is hardcore homerism at its finest. But if this team goes back to its roots, these same roots that won Bennett's first Super Bowl, where he spent most of the game handing the ball off to Jerome Bettis running over the other team, and then you run play action and huck it over to Heinz Ward, replicate that give me 35 handoffs a game to Najee Harris and run play action to Chase Claypool and Juju and whoever the hell else you want because those are really your two guys I believe in this team you've got Devin Bush back people you know as much as we talk about those other factors mm -hmm. that defense got worse when Devin Bush wasn't on the field mm -hmm. and it didn't just get worse it got much worse yep. Bud Dupree went out around the same time uh so yeah lots of questions but here's the deal we've got Ingram now we've got two sides of the defensive line that I believe in I think there is one Aside from the, the scheduling, there is one very strong argument against what I'm saying, uh, and that's the offensive line. 
who the hell knows what we're getting with this bunch. Uh, it could be a very bad situation. We will see how it goes. If it goes bad, the season's probably over. But I think it's a lot easier to teach big burly guys to run block than it is to pass block. Um, I like the idea of them going downhill. Man, if they just run the ball this year, it's going to be real fun. Uh, we'll see what they do. What do you think? I think they finally got a running back that satisfies me. You know, I for a while I felt like a broken record on the show, uh, shutting out Mike Tomlin and asking him to uh, maybe uh, invest in a running back in the draft or, or bring in someone of blue chip nature. And uh, surely they do this year with Najee Harris out of Alabama. Might as well call Alabama running back you at this point. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't say enough good things about Najee Harris. I, I know you weren't as comfortable with a first-round running back as I was, but I think when it's a guy like Najee Harris, uh, you, you, you make the pick and you don't look back, especially with the state the running game was in last year. And like you just said, I mean, their best path forward with this aging quarterback statuesque behind playing behind a patchwork you know unknown offensive line i think was to upgrade the run game so i'm looking for Najee harris to be a early often kind of guy i haven't had any of my fantasy drafts yet but uh i wouldn't mind snagging him in a couple that's for sure um but yeah i mean like you said you hit it right on the nail there devin bush uh this time last year uh i i thought devin bush was gonna go out and uh be ray lewis for them and he probably was on the path to doing that, and then he got hurt. Yeah. Uh, but he's back. And, boy, with him there on paper now, and you got a guy like Robert Spillane who broke out there at times last year. And, of course, Melvin Ingram, right? Um, Melvin Ingram was out there way too long. Uh, for him to land with the Steelers across from P.J. Watt, I just think it's a great fit. Uh, I'm not sure Melvin Ingram's – an upgrade. I think he very well could be an upgrade over Bud Dupree. Right now, Bud, Bud Dupree was placed on physical, physically unable to perform list in Tennessee right now. Now I know that was all planned and, and everything's still on schedule there, but I don't know, man. I've always been a huge Melvin Ingram guy. He can play with his hand in the dirt. He can play a two-point stance. You can put him at defensive tackle, defensive end. Outside linebacker, inside linebacker. Bud Dupree did not have that kind of versatility. Uh, Ingram's a beast, and we were talking uh, Jadavian Clowney earlier. Uh, I believe they played together in college, so uh, cool note there. Um, yeah, still, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick, Terrell Edmonds, uh, I think they're doing fine. Joe Hayden maybe getting a bit long in the tooth, but I, I think they're fine there. Yeah. This defense is loaded. They're going to be fine there. The only question marks, like you said, the O-line. Um, Trey Turner, I, I thought he – it sucks that it didn't work out for him with the Chargers last year, but he just – he wasn't on the football field. Hopefully he'll be on the football field with the Steelers. Last time we saw him play really lengthy uh, snaps was for the Panthers, and he looked great. So I, I expect if he's healthy, he will be a, a plus player for them. You have to wonder with David DeCastro if maybe there's a reunion there later on in the year because it was sounding like when they let him go that his ankle injury was going to maybe threaten his career. Now, we haven't heard of anyone else interested in him. So if he's not going to retire, he might as well come be a backup for the Steelers. 
Uh, we'll see what happens there. But yeah, I don't know if they can keep Ben upright and healthy. I think they're going to be fine. But I, I think uh, when it's time for other teams to uh, really rush the passer on third and long, um, this unit could be in some trouble. Hopefully I'm wrong. And and last thing I got to say is, I mean, wide receiver wise, right? Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, two studs there. James Washington's probably one of the better third, fourth, fifth guys in the league that you can have on your depth chart. And uh, we'll see what they get out of Juju. I know there was a report earlier today on the Smith-Schuster front, uh, the Athletics' Mark Cavalli reporting that Smith-Schuster has been, quote-unquote, limited to no outside work in training camp. Hmm. Uh Wrote a world going on to say Smith Schuster has almost literally been begging for more outside reps, but it's sounding like uh, he's not getting them. So yeah, well I'm sure maybe he, he, he uh, wants should have went elsewhere. Yeah, he wants that for the free agency for sure. Yeah, yeah. All right, TDs get you paid. I hear it. Um, yeah. As Rotor World said, you can't always get what you want. So <laughs> right, it's maybe you should have thought those... about that. It's just one of those that I'm like, dude, if you're the, like, there is money in being the best slot receiver in the league. Yep. Absolutely. Game's changed, you know, so. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. Smith-Schuster. Uh, the other thing, too, is, like, you want those outside reps that can go out and ball in training camp, right? Just don't drop a pass. It's a next-man-up sport. We all know someone's going to get hurt. You'll get your opportunity. Stay hungry. You'll be fine. Well, uh, can I get a yep. last note on the Browns? Uh, I'm also seeing a report here about Donovan Peoples-Jones. I'm offended at myself that I didn't even mention his name when we did the quick Browns preview there. But um, yeah, the Browns official website reporting today and no bias there whatsoever, obviously, but uh, saying that Donovan Peoples-Jones, quote unquote, could take a big leap this year. Um, I guarantee you he will. Uh, late last year, he was coming on as strong as any player across the league at any position. And yeah, if the volume is there, which I would certainly hope it will be, look for Donovan Peoples-Jones, the former Michigan Wolverine, to have uh, quite the year, right? Because I, I mean, I, is between Jarvis Landry and Beckham, I mean, are they really going to stay healthy the whole year? Beckham will see, right? <laughs> so and I. Yeah. I love Rashard Higgins. I know they love Rashard Higgins, but I don't know. What I saw out of Peoples Jones last year was playmaking stuff. So stay tuned on him. I think you can get him for a pretty discounted rate in most fantasy drafts. And I think you could do very, very much worse with the round that you're going to be able to get him in. So to have him as like your fifth, sixth receiver on your bench, I think you're going to be in a good spot. Yeah, probably is just a run first offense, right? Absolutely. Uh, okay, so we've both got Baltimore first, Cincinnati fourth, uh, Cleveland, Pittsburgh. Who do you have second? That's a tough one, man. I'm going to say the Steelers right now, but, I mean, we're a Trey Turner injury away from me picking the Browns to finish second. And you know what? I shouldn't be picking the Steelers to finish second on the back of Trey Turner staying healthy. So that's probably a pretty reckless take. I just think with Najee Harris, they're going to be able to run the ball. And I think being able to run the ball is going to really make things a lot easier. Yeah. When teams know you can run the ball, they can't tee off on you in the pass rush because they have to worry about play action, right? So You slow down those edge yeah, rushers exactly. of Cleveland. You know? Exactly, so. right? 
Exactly. They have to read and react rather than just come full tilt. That's right. Okay. Let's have a quick chat about all the other nonsense happening in sports. Usually I would go right into UFC here. We'll come back around to it if there's time, but like what uh, 24 hours we're looking at here. So the NBA draft is ongoing as we're recording this on Thursday night. Uh, so I'm not I'm not gonna go too hard into that. Cunningham went first. Doesn't seem like that's a big surprise. No, as as he should have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the trades that are happening in the other sports, um, run, run us through what's happening in the world as we're talking here. Okay, well, just uh, as we are finishing up on the NBA note, I think it's worth uh, saying how uh, the Lakers just acquired everybody's favorite triple double king Russell Westbrook, who doesn't even seem like four hours ago it told the wizards that he wanted out so uh it sounds like uh, they found a new home for him quick i'll tell you one thing right now I, I know lebron's getting up there and the mileage is starting to rack up and you know he might have a bad knee and a bad ankle etc cetera, etc cetera. if lebron james is anywhere near lebron james next year you give me lebron you give me anthony davis now you give me russell westbrook to go with the rest of that roster i mean the lakers are out of excuses as far as i'm concerned The problem is you need seven guys. And so they've got three because they just keep trading away anything that resembles a piece for a star. Um, so maybe they get it done with three guys and who, but you know, they, they did it. They, they got one ring and that's something, but absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, couple notes on the NBA draft. Uh, yeah, Cunningham like that pick to Detroit. I think Houston got a stud in Jalen Green. The Raptors at four, though. Now, I know Florida State had a good year, but Scotty Barnes at four when you could have had Jonathan Kuminga out of the G League, Zaire Williams out of Stanford, Jalen Suggs out of Gonzaga. I don't know, man. I wasn't as checked in on this NBA draft class as I usually am. Blame it on the Olympics. Blame it on, you know, I got other stuff going on. But I don't know. I just, in a couple of years, we might look back at that one and be like, oh, yeah, classic Raptors draft. They passed on, like, three superstars. So stay tuned on that one. Hopefully I'm wrong. But I think Kuminga is going to be a beast. I mean, he could be the next Greek freak for all we know. Um, moving on to Major League Baseball. When I left for work tonight, it was sounding like the San Diego Padres were getting very close to acquiring Max Scherzer. I then got off work, and the first thing I saw on my phone and my watch was that, no, it's the World World Series defending Dodgers that are going to be acquiring them. And to make matters worse, to add insult to injury, they're getting Trey Turner as well, which is just borderline unfair i mean i know trevor bauer is in limbo right now he's not playing baseball we don't know if he's going to pitch again this year but if bauer makes it back to that dodgers rotation and you have trevor bauer walker bueller max scherzer clayton kershaw i mean it's it's almost unfair oh yeah by the way you're the world defending champion yeah I mean, when a guy like Corey Seager can't even get on the field because you have Trey Turner in front of him now, I mean, like, what's going on here? 
Uh, so good on the Dodgers, good on their fan base, right? I mean, um, it just makes things a little predictable come October, if you know what I mean. We are uh, 96 games into the season. Trey Turner already tied for his career high war wins above replacement at 4.1. So, cause I, I, you know, I'm not as in touch with baseball as I used to be. And so I was like, Oh, well, I don't know. Maybe Trey Turner was like, kind of like a contact no. speed guy. So maybe his speed's fallen off and no, no, no. no. He's apparently he's a stud. amazing. Yeah. yeah. He hits home. He's five tool. He, he's he, crushing he, it. Yeah. Yeah. Great defensively, power, speed, average. Yeah, 840 OPS. He's already got uh, 21 stolen bases. I can't for the life of me. Like, I I, I get the Scherzer thing. I get it. But I can't for the life of me believe that the Nationals were looking to get rid of Trey Turner. I don't. It makes no sense. It makes no sense because you still have Juan Soto. And we all know they're not getting rid of Juan Soto. But if you're going to keep Juan Soto... Doesn't it make sense to keep Trey Turner? Like, Turner's got, what, three years on him? Like, it's not like we're dealing with different generations here. Like, that should have been the core rebuild. It should have been Soto and Turner, and you build around them. Yeah, Scherzer makes all the sense in the world. He's 37, still throwing bullets, so you get whatever you can for him at this point. It's that contract, too, right? Like, if if you're going to lose ball games, you can't have that contract on the books. The other thing that deserves to be said and needs to be said about the Nationals is we found out midweek that Steven Strasburg, first of all, won't be pitching again this year after only making two starts last year, but he's having thoracic outlet syndrome surgery, which, uh, to put it a little more simple, is what Matt Harvey had before yeah. he fought, fell off the face of the earth and, and couldn't throw anywhere near the heat he used to throw. So. I wish Strasburg the best, but that's not a good that's not good company to be in right now, right? So um, maybe that did factor into the Nationals' uh, thinking of, okay, this has got to be a, a complete blow-it-to-the-ground rebuild around one centerpiece, and that's Juan Soto. Which, like, if, okay, if the Strasburg... No, it still doesn't make any sense. But if the Strasburg thing didn't happen, maybe in a world they keep Trey Turner. I don't know. I I would like to be a fly on the wall of that front office. Um, And I I could segue right from the Nationals to the Twins, which I might as well do right now. Now, Mm -hmm. I haven't got any official word that Byron Buxton or Jose Barrios have been officially moved yet. But it's sounding like they both could be moved if not one of them. The Barrios thing I can let slide because he very well could walk and they could get nothing for him. Yep. And I and it does sound like the Buxton extension talks have broken down. But just quickly on Byron Buxton, I don't understand what the Minnesota Twins are doing here. They were so patient with this kid. Just like Trey Turner, when he came up, he was the number one positional prospect in the sport. Five tool, could do everything. He was a bit of a slow starter, right? Like, you know, some guys need a little more time at the minors, get their licks in. So he, he wasn't really ready for the majors like they hoped he would. And then he kind of had some ticky-tacky injuries, some unlucky stuff, you know, running into the wall in the outfield, stuff like that. But then around maybe this time last year, a little earlier than that, just started turning on, man. Started playing like MVP-level all-star ball for them. Was doing the same thing this year. I'm on one of my fantasy teams. And then he had a another, you know, just bad times 
ticky tack injury that cost him, you know, and cost him the good momentum he was building. What I'm getting at here is they were so patient with this guy. Then he finally turns into the five tool guy they've always wanted. And then now they're ready to move him. Like yeah. it just doesn't make any sense to me. Like I get the Barrios thing, but man, it's like Juan Soto. Like if you're going to really blow it up and build a rebuild around one guy, it's got to be Byron Buxton. If you're the twins, right? I, I just, and again, he hasn't been officially moved. So maybe this is all for naught. Maybe I'm being a little reactionary here, but I, the twins need to give their heads, heads a shake because everything they've been doing in the offseason the past three, four years is screamed. We're in it to win it. We're here to contend. We're here to spend some money, new ballpark, you know, excited fan base. We got Joe Maurer off the books. We're ready to do it here. And then what they, they come out of the gate a little slow this year and then that's it. Trade everybody. Maeda, Buxton, Barrios, Donaldson, just a fucking fire sale. I don't know, man. It, I, I don't get it. Like, it, and especially with this Washington situation where it's like, oh, did you not make enough money off that world championship yeah. and all the merch that you sold? Like, yeah. uh, oof. I, I, I know. Really not. I, sure. I just, like, I get the nature of baseball is are you a buyer? Are you a seller? You know, this is the way the sport works, but some of these sellers are to me a bit cowardly. It's like, come on, man. A, the season's not over yet. B, I don't know, man. It, some of these fire sales are are already waving the white flag for next season. Like, what are you supposed to tell your season ticket holders for next season? <laughs> like, it's it's I wouldn't buy shit. No, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, if if I'm a Twins fan or a Nationals fan, fuck that, man. Fuck yeah. that. I'll go watch the Vikings or, you know, someone else. Uh I I love how much of a troll this is. I know this isn't a huge sports story, but uh the Baseball Hall of Fame rejects Kurt Schilling's request to be removed from 2022 ballot. So when he I don't know if you remember but when he didn't get yeah. in last year, he yeah. was like said take me off. Take me yeah. off cuz I'll defer to the Veterans Committee who I actually like. And they were like, "No, nah, you're going to keep you on here for one more year and re- hopefully reject you one more time." Um, we have- now, Kurt Schilling, like Pete Rose, has made it very hard on the voters who put people in there, right? Like, yeah. he, they just do themselves no favors. But at the end of the day, Kurt Schilling, right? I mean, the guy, even before he got to Boston, I thought he had the resume, man. I, I think Kurt Schilling has more than the resume. You factor in the bloody sock. Being and a then, tough guy and then you add there. in the bloody sock. Yeah, the- I mean, the guy's a Hall of Fame pitcher, man. I'm so sick of the Baseball Hall of Fame Put in Clemens, put in Bonds, put in Rose, put them all in, man. Like, what? How can you have a Hall of Fame when when you have this growing list of? Oh yeah, well, you know, the ten best players of these positions. Well, man, they're not in. I mean, yeah. put them all in and put a fucking asterisk beside the names that you got to put. Right? I mean, people can go in there and be an adult and read and say, okay, well, this guy's over here and this guy's over here. Yeah, I think there there is a small issue in that there would just be an awful lot of asterisks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> asterisk, asterisk alley. It would yeah. turn into it. Yeah. Um, and then it's like, okay, well we're, 
we're going to put asterisks for that, but not beating yeah. your wife. And I, it turns into yeah. a whole other conversation. So, and just, just quickly on Pete Rose, uh, for that statement, if anybody confused people, the reason Pete Rose makes it hard is because every year when they do the Cooperstown stuff, yeah. he sets up shop about a block away. He rents out a storefront and he signs autographs. Um, and it, he really rubs it in their face. And then even a couple years ago, probably about five or six now, when there was real serious talk of finally putting Pete in, all the gambling stuff came out again, right? So yeah. not a, you know, you want to go gamble, that's fine, man. But don't tell people you're not gambling and then they find out you're gambling. That's not going to get you in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I've, with that said, I would also make note that, like, if we're going to start putting guys like Bonds in, then you may as well put Pete Rose in at of that course. point. Of course. Of course. 100%, man. 1,000%. Yeah. Can we, uh, before we move on to maybe some Dillashaw Sandhagen stuff, uh, the past two shows I've been wanting to mention, and I did mention it, uh, Cam Akers, season-ending injury for the Rams. Um, Just absolutely brutal, man. The hopes they had for this kid. The way he finished last year, oh, my God. Just when I saw that, my heart dropped. Um, so, yeah, I we haven't done our NFC West preview show, but I, I got to bring the Rams down a couple pegs because, uh, I don't know, Malcolm Brown now in Miami, all they got is Daryl Henderson. And I don't know. We'll see. Stay tuned on that one. Yeah. I, I, I feel like the Rams are a team where the talent of the running back isn't as important as the – the system that they're running there. So we'll see what happens, but um, yeah, it's, it's tough. Wrong division for that to be happening. Yeah. You get, you get to face the Arizona defense, but that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We will of course start uh, AFC East next week, Mm -hmm. which is pretty interesting. I think, um, and then we get to start rolling into some of those NFC teams, which is is going to be a good time. Uh, you want to talk about some hockey signings? Oh, yes, definitely, definitely. Um, okay, so where do we start? Dougie Hamilton, I mentioned him earlier. Uh, good for him for getting that money. but And maybe we'll have to have some kind of uh, Darren Drager insider on the show to answer these questions for me. But I'm still trying to understand why Calgary traded him to Carolina. Yeah. Right. So this is a guy that got traded. All we've been hearing since Dougie Hamilton made the NHL is this guy's the next Bobby Orr, right? Boston traded him. Boston was like, no, right? They got rid of him. Then Calgary got rid of him. Now Carolina wanted to keep him. They wanted to sign him. They couldn't get the deal done. But did Calgary move him because they thought they couldn't keep him? Because I just. There's something going on there that I don't understand. The, the Flames would have loved to have this guy. I, I just I don't understand what happened there. Now, Elias Lindholm, Lindholm is a fine player. He's playing on the first line for them with uh, Johnny Hockey and uh, Monaghan there, but I don't know, man. Seems to me that Dougie Hamilton should still be wearing a Flames jersey and probably arguably a Bruins jersey, but it is what it is. Good for him for getting paid by the Devils, and I'll tell you, the Devils, man, between uh, two thirds of the Hughes brothers and what they got going up up front, uh, 
I think the Devils maybe as soon as this year could be real, real serious contenders. I, I like what they're doing there. Nice young core. Um, some surprises. I like the Seattle deal with Jaden Schwartz. I like that deal a lot. I think Jalen Jaden Schwartz is going to go there, score a ton of goals, set up a ton of goals. The reason I want to bring it up though is I see that Seattle, uh, St. Louis Schwartz's old team ended up giving Brandon Saad five years, two twenty-two and a half million over five years. I don't know, man. Maybe five years ago I would have given Brandon Saad a five-year deal, but. I'm not sure if they offered that exact money to Schwartz and he turned it down, but I, I'm almost positive they should have just made sure to keep Jaden Schwartz rather than give that kind of yearly money to uh, Brandon Saad. Fine hockey player, but I mean, his best hockey was with those uh, cup-winning Chicago Blackhawks teams with Kane and Taze. And I mean, that was a more than a cup of coffee ago, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, Let's see what else here. Uh, another great Seattle signing, Alex Wenberg, former Columbus Blue Jacket, Florida Panther. I like that under the radar signing. Um, Braden Point got paid, and rightfully so. Eight years, $76 million. Zach Hyman got, I think, overpaid by the seems Edmonton like, Oilers. Seems like Toronto tax there, yeah. Yeah, seven years, $38.5 I'm certainly glad uh, the Maple Leafs didn't give him that, not that they could have afforded it. Yeah. Uh, Carolina taking a flyer on a defenseman that I'm a fan of, um, on the ice at least, uh, Tony D'Angelo. Um, basically talked his way off the Rangers organization uh, this past season. So he ended up having to go play junior hockey to finish out the year. But for Carolina to bring him in on a, a one-year, one-million deal, then bring in Ethan Bear over from the Oilers, uh, I think that's, you know, they're halfway there to replacing uh, the hole left by Dougie Hamilton. Um, Carolina is going to keep getting better. I like what they're doing there. Uh, the Leafs, of course. Speaking of Carolina, lost their goalie, Frederick Anderson. Well, they basically Carolina swapped goalies yeah, with Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a Peter Morazic fan, but I thought three years at 11.4 was a bit excessive. It seems like a lot of money and a lot yeah. of length when you're trying to convince me that uh, this guy that Jack came out of nowhere is going to be your dude. Yeah. The thing about Jack Campbell is blue chip guy. You know, first round pick of the Dallas Stars, never ended up doing with the Stars. Had it up, ended up going to LA and backing up John Quick for a couple of years, getting his game together. Finally got, you know, an opportunity to play when Quick got hurt, parlayed it into a spot with the Leafs. Of course, Anderson. It's if there's one thing about sports, it's next man up, right? Like yeah. you stay ready, you're gonna get an opportunity. Yeah. Jack Campbell got that opportunity, and you know what? He ran with it. So uh, hopefully. They get the Jack Campbell of this year, next year, or else they're going to be in a bad spot because I'm not sure Mrazic's much more than a backup at this point. I liked him in Philly. I liked him in Carolina. He's still a young guy, but I don't know. Campbell doesn't play the way they're hoping he plays. They could be in a in a tight spot. Um, anti Ranta, a lot of goalie movement, right? Um, yeah. Now these are just lower level guys. And it just feels Anderson, like it, it feels like the deal is if you're a goalie in the NHL and you're like a legitimate goalie, yep. it's you know your salary yep. is about five or six million dollars. Absolutely. You know, three point five to six basically, and yep. the backups get a million and a half. 
Yep. James Reimer back to San Jose. Carter Hutton to Arizona. Um, yeah. Uh, Grubauer, the Grubauer situation, him laying in Seattle, that caught me off guard. Did not expect that to happen. Um, of course, Colorado then went out and made a deal for Arizona's Darcy Quemper, but he's not anywhere in Grubauer's stratosphere as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Luke Shen going from Tampa Bay to Vancouver. The Los Angeles Kings overpaying for Montreal's top line center in Philip Deneau, six years, $33 million. I wouldn't have given him that at gunpoint. Uh, Shout out to Seth Jones for getting paid. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Seth Jones. Eight years, $76 million. And what's cool about that is a week before that, when Chicago traded Duncan Keith to Edmonton, they got Seth Jones's younger brother back in that deal, Caleb Jones. Yeah. So shout out to Popeye Jones for having both his kids play with the Chicago Blackhawks. Now, I think the Blackhawks are, uh, you know, they're obviously trying to rebuild here on the fly, but uh, I think they're heading in the right direction. A couple final notes, a couple goalie notes: Braden Holtby going from Vancouver to Dallas, Laurent Brossard going from Winnipeg to Vegas. Uh, defenseman here, Zach Bogosian, going back to Tampa after a cup of coffee with the Leafs. Um, what else we got here? Yeah, I mentioned Jaden Schwartz. Uh, Zingold, Arizona. Mike Hoffman, I, I like that deal from Montreal. Uh, he can score some goals. Uh, I like that a lot. Um yeah. Anything else worth mentioning? Jake Bean. Uh, I know Carolina was hoping to get him back. I see he signed with Columbus today. Uh, Ryan Suter ended up in Dallas. I like that fit. Um, Corey Perry, I'm seeing signed in Tampa today. Interesting. Interesting. Goes from playing against them in the cup finals to if you can't beat them, join them, right? Um, Tampa Bay, obviously. The front offices loved what they saw at a pairing in the finals uh, enough to bring them over. Uh, two years, two million. Um, now, I did just rip the Blues a new one for letting Schwartz go and then giving all that money to Brandon Saad, but I will congratulate them on bringing over a guy I liked for the New York Rangers, Russian Pavel Bushinevich. It's either Bushinevich or Bukinevich, whatever. Um Great player. I, I think he's, you know, New York will be a less lesser team for losing him. I just don't know that he's got really many guys to play with in St. Louis. Hopefully, Tarasenko gets back out there and uh, regains his old stride there. Um, yeah. Yaroslav Halak taking Holpe's spot in Vancouver. A lot of, uh, a lot of minor deals. Uh, oh, yeah, and last one I got to mention, Gabriel Landeskog. Good for him getting uh, eight years, $56 million, re-signing with the uh, Colorado Avalanche. They did not want to lose their captain. He didn't want to leave, so it's nice to see a deal get done there. Looking like he's going to be a, a Colorado Avalanche for life at this point, so good for him. And shout-out to former Mon- Moncton Wildcat Connor Garland getting paid by the Vancouver Canucks. Of course, he came in uh, to town earlier in the week in the Oliver Ekman Larson deal with Arizona. Anything you got to say about uh, 
the NHL and what's going on? No, like I, from the Leafs' perspective, like losing Hyman is yeah. fine. Yeah, I mean it was expected. Yeah, they can't. And the the goalie situation, like honestly, I'm ready to just roll guys in there until we find someone who can get it done. And it, yeah, it it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, no, at the end, no issue with end, like Campbell, but like I don't think he's the yeah. reason we lost that last series. But no. there were a couple, you know, wasn't great. Carey, Carey Price was the reason. Yeah, the Leafs lost. Yeah, and the, and, mean, and they went to the went to the freaking championship. So yeah, it was the same reason Vegas lost. Carey Price stole back to back series. He just couldn't steal three in a row, and that's why it's a shame his offense didn't show up for him against Tampa. Right? Yeah, I do wonder why guys like you know Corey Perry goes to Tampa Bay, so like. Sure, I would like to see the Leafs. You know, they re-signed, I think it was... Um, Wayne Simmons. Yeah, and I'm like, I, I didn't see anything out of that guy this year that made me think he's a difference maker. I did see things out of Corey Perry that made him look like a difference maker. So, yeah. Um, and the winning pedigree with Corey Perry, right? I mean, yeah. the guys won Olympic gold medals, World Junior gold medals, Stanley Cups in Anaheim. Yeah, I think guys maybe it's time to stop bringing in guys who want to win the Cup and bring in some guys who have won a Cup. Well, that's what they try with Bogosian, right? I mean, but, you know, yeah. a, a fifth defenseman can't do it all, right? So, yeah, exactly. Um, it is what it is. Yep. Okay, let's talk about the UFC here. Uh, yep. Just uh, totally uh, trying to be as upfront as possible. I was yep. not able to catch most of the card over the weekend. I forget what I was doing, but I was out in a bed. Grandparents are important, man. Oh, that's right. I was at important. my grandparents' place. I got to hug my grandparents for the first time in a year and a half. It was very nice. Yeah. yeah. So the one fight I did come back and watch because I saw controversy on the Twitter was Miranda Maverick and Macy Barber. Macy Barber winning by split decision. Um, there are some on Twitter who thought that was a robbery. I didn't see it that way. I know you didn't see the fights. So I'm not going to push you for it. But uh, on my scorecard, I had Barber winning two and three. It's one of those interesting rounds where Barber was just two's the one that's in contention. Um I think everybody agrees on rounds one and three. And in two, Barbara was just kind of picking her apart, picking her apart. And then in the last minute, Maverick gets her back, lays in some good shots. So it's like, what do you weigh more heavily? Four minutes of getting pieced up or one minute of being in control? Um, For me, I felt like Barbara was doing enough in the other four minutes that it outweighed it. Uh, but I, I understand people feeling the other way. I just don't, what, what I'm trying to say here is I don't think it was a robbery. I, I get both sides. I think they are reasonable approaches on, on both sides. What I have been seeing is some controversy about this Sandhag and Dillashaw fight. Um, so, you know, I, I see one group saying that the one scorecard that gave the fourth to Dillashaw was a crime against humanity. And then, you know, one day later I'm listening to Dave Meltzer who does do more wrestling, but watches all these UFCs and says that on his card, he had the fourth round for Dillashaw. So like, I, I don't know what the hell happened. I might go back and take a look at it at some point. Um, it sounds like Dillashaw is already ducking guys. That there are people coming out of the woodwork saying like, all right, I'll fight you. And he's like, no, 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 you're, you're going to drag my family into it or some shit. And it's like, hmm. you know, figure it out, get, get out there and fight. You, you've been gone for two years because of shame. Um, hmm. what do you think of all this? I thought Dillashaw won the fight. Now I tend to give more credit than 
I'm willing to admit and probably am comfortable with to fighters who take steps forward the whole fight. Yep. Because to me, that's dictating pace. To me, Dillashaw went in there, dictated the pace, made Sanhagen move where he wanted him to move. He kept taking steps forward. He brought the fight to Corey. And the other thing that, and again, I probably shouldn't be a UFC judge because I'm not even sure this deserves to to give Dillashaw points. But Dillashaw d- dealt with adversity in that fight. He hurt his knee early. He moved past that. He got cut. He moved past that. He got dropped. He got mo- He moved past that. San Hagen had the best shot of the night. The one where he dropped him and he caught him, right? And it was a bad cut. It was in one of the worst spots because the blood just funnels right into your eye. So honestly, that those last three rounds, Dillashaw arguably 10 seconds into each round couldn't see out of one of his eyes. Um, you factor all that together. I, I thought Dillashaw won the fight. Um, yeah. Sanhagen was trying too much spinning back stuff. And I don't know, man. I just... I understand how a lot of people thought he won that fight because he might have, like, I didn't see the final numbers, but he might have had a little more volume and probably more significant strikes. But the way Dillashaw just walked him down, angled him out, not to mention took him down, right? Like, yeah. he, he won the grappling. He won the takedowns. Yeah. I I, I was expecting Sanhagen to get his hand raised. And then I was ready to go on it and, you know, just start ripping the whole pretty much promotion, Dana White, the whole thing. But when Dillashaw got his hand raised, I was like, okay, they did the right thing. Now, I did have money on Dillashaw, so there's a clear bias <laughs> A little, little bit there. of bias there, yeah. Sure. Clear bias there. I thought Sandhagen landed a cheap shot after the bell. Now, after the replay, it was bang, bang. But still, at some point, you have to be responsible if you hit a guy after the bell, right? I mean, I don't care that your hand already started moving. Yep. Stop your hand, right? Like, guys. Well, that's guys, why they have the clapper. Exactly. Right? You know. Um. So it wasn't as egregious as I thought it was in real time, but it was still enough to be like, okay, TJ just took a clean shot. He didn't need to take and wasn't supposed to take. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. Yeah, I have no issue with Dillashaw getting his hand raised there. I didn't think Sanhagen did enough to win the fight. He was taking, he was on his heels going backwards the whole time. Now I know Sanhagen does strike better doing that. I get it, but optics wise, yeah, what the judges saw, and again, one thing they kept reminding us during that fight is the way the judging was going that night. If you took a guy down, you were winning that fight. Dillashaw went in there, did that. He won the fight. I wasn't surprised. Um, I am not at all excited for the UFC two weeks from now. So we're going to talk about the fight night coming up on Saturday. But I'm just like, forewarning, there's a real good chance I don't even want to talk about 265. Because this main event's a joke. Uh, the co-main's a joke. Yeah, the co-main's a joke. I mean, we all know managers. Sorry, let me let, let me put it this way: the main event's a real fight that has yeah. no business being for a title. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, that's basically Dana was a slave to the schedule. You could tell that Dana had UFC 265 on August 7th penciled in to be Nagano. 
versus somebody for the title. Yeah. And when he realized Nagano wasn't going to be there, and he realized, oh my God, I had this whole card, this whole date planned on the weight of a heavyweight strap being on the line. I think that's where we got the this uh, interim title thing. Because Dana's been on record. He doesn't like the interim title. So you can tell that his back was really against the wall here. And he felt he had no other option. Well, and I think they knew it wasn't going to be September. And I think they were eyeing Covington and Usman Which just got made, for yeah. November. I think that's yeah, made for November. We, I don't know what's happening f- in October yet. Yeah, we finally got official word this week that uh, that fight finally got done. Because it... If it hadn't gotten done this week, something was up. Yeah. Um, it, you know, we're going to do Nick Diaz, Robbie Lawler at 266. Sure. Like 266, I'm interested that's, in. but Yeah. That's going to be <laughs> fucking fun, man. Yeah. Robbie Lawler, I mean, he likes just going out and getting in fist fights. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and Nick Diaz, I mean, since I've been following the sport, hasn't fought. Right. Simple as that. I have not seen Nick Diaz fight live. Simple as that. Hard stop. Um, see the Stipe news this week. Was it him saying what? What I the meme I posted about how he shouldn't have to wait. Yeah, and how the DC thing was. Yeah, I mean it's he's he's got a hundred percent right to to be pissed about this. DC got all the preferential treatment. He. You know, DC never had to go get a win or wait or anything, right? He was always ready to go back in there. Company put him right back in there. Yeah. But with Stipe, for some reason, he's always got to wait, right? Greatest of all time in the division. Most title defenses of anybody. But yet, there's no respect, right? Yeah. We always, and as Chael Sonnen put it, the last time we did this to Stipe, we promised we'd never do it to him again. And as soon as Nagano took that belt from him, as fans, we did it again. Yep. Because as fans, we were calling for Jones. Yep. We were calling for fucking Derek Lewis, right? I mean, so I, I've, I'm i with Stipe 100%. Now, Stipe said he's going to go out and put on 20 pounds and come back at 260. I think he fought at 240 last time. I think that will make a difference. I don't know if it's going to be enough to beat Francis, but I think it will make a difference. Stipe did look small in that fight, and we have seen him fight bigger. What do you What do you think about? I mean, he's and he's toying about going to like one one championship fighting or whatever now, which yeah, like I mean, you that's know, not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a real thing until you look at the payday, right? <laughs> so. Exactly. All right, let's talk. But 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 just to read what he wrote, he's. I mean, tell me if he's wrong because he's not. He wrote, shouldn't have to wait for a winner. I have the most heavyweight title defenses of all time. We are 1-1. All he's right about. But DC got instant rematches and trilogies against him. And he's absolutely right. He's and absolutely I think when you correct. I think I think when you just take a glance and see what DC's doing for the company now and how they knew he was destined to do that yep. during this trilogy, I, I think favoritism, nepotism, it's all all ripe in play. Yeah, there's some kind of tism going on there. Yeah, yeah, man. I, I, I don't know if he's got pictures of Dana or what. But <laughs> uh, All right, fight night this weekend. Uriah Hall, Sean Strickland headlining the card. Mm-hmm. Um, I've liked what I've seen out of Hall lately, to be honest. Yeah. But Yeah, I mean, he went in there and checked a kick, and Chris Wyman's leg broke in half, and that was that. <laughs> yeah, but, I, you know, 
Strickland's 23 and three. So you got to take that seriously. Yeah. Um, so lots of like lots of good fights on this card. I actually think the co-main's kind of interesting as well. Uh, with Kang Kyung Ho against Rani Yahaya. It's funny, yeah. man. My brain, like, I don't remember any of these guys' names, but then I see their picture and I'm like, oh yeah, that guy, that guy can fucking throw. Yeah. Um, and and the fight that I'm interested in, kind of for the worst reasons, uh, way down on the prelim card, uh, we've got Ashley Yoder showing up which I've got to think is for the last time. She hasn't looked, let me rephrase. She has looked good in losing uh, several times, but um, her attractiveness is not turning into wins. She's eight and seven. I don't think a lot of people get to keep fighting in UFC with an eight and eight record. Uh, yeah. She needs a win or she's packing her bags here. Not to mention she's 34 in October. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the way, speaking of hot and not that good at fighting, Paige Van Zant has lost another bare knuckle match. Oh no! Um, That'll just change your face, right? I mean, well, it's not the face people are paying for, but um, yeah, yeah. I, I think you know she started her own OnlyFans page, like like uh, actually her own, not through OnlyFans. It's like Paige Van Zant or something. Uh, and I think that is where her ongoing career is going to take her at this point. There's not much left for her in the fight game, I think. She can say I'm a survivor or whatever she wants to say. There's a reason she's not in the UFC or Bellator and losing in bare-knuckle boxing. It's not great. Like, you got to help me out here, man. Who are these guys who go on OnlyFans and just, like, drop, like, thousands of dollars on yeah. women that would never even look at them talk to them open a door for them like so like how fucking pathetic is it so i'm gonna try to answer that question seriously yeah i yeah yeah i ask it seriously yeah absolutely i think it is easy to forget how many people in the world make a are, fuck ton of money yeah. and are lonely yeah and and we say are lonely, but here here are some other things that I think would lead a person to participate in things like that. Uh, are you married and have kids, and your wife hasn't fucked you in four years? Yeah, yeah. let alone a blowjob, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, are, are you forty two years old, and anyone under twenty five thinks you're gross now? Yeah, no, you're right. Um, you're right. There are a lot of people who make money and have nothing to spend it on. Yeah. So, you know, if you've got an abundance of money, yeah. uh, a a male sex drive that, yeah. you know, per, per, <laughs> yeah. uh, pervades or, you know, to persist rather. Uh, yeah. There's lots of times you just spend it on women. Yeah. And yeah. now instead of having to go to a brothel or whatever, you can yeah. just do it on your computer and nope, no one right. ever knows. So. You're right. And then you just close the tab when you're done, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Move on. So, um, that's like, oh, I, yeah. and, and I honestly like, there's lots of stuff I see in the world that I'm like, what the, like who, what, yeah. how the fuck this fucking on Twitch. Like, I don't know if you, if you ever look at Twitch, but there's a, a woman on there named Amaranth who, uh, basically just plays, like dancing games she'll play dancing okay. games she'll do some asmr stuff yeah i was gonna say it's gotta be yeah yeah so some of that shit 
the the estimates are that she's clearing like 200 grand a month for like dancing around in a bikini every every month right um it's honestly i'm kind of trying to think through the numbers it might be more than that um even if it's half that yeah yeah so um microtransactions are king (laughs) and uh you know because it's it's Holy cow. You know, it is 2,000 people or 10,000 people or 20,000 people at five bucks a month. And oh, and all of a sudden, and then you take whatever percentage of those that you get to pay into your OnlyFans and you take whatever percentage of those who pay for your, you know, super top tier, whatever, and you send yeah. them a personalized yeah. video or, yeah. or some nonsense. Yep. Yeah. Amazon wish list stuff, right? Yeah. So, Here's my link to my Amazon wish list. Go buy me five grand of stuff on it. And yeah, and like the stuff they send out is probably all cookie cutter, right? I mean, oh, like for sure. Yeah, it's like okay, well, I'll take one picture of my feet and I'll send them to five hundred men. Yeah, yeah. Or you charge an extra three hundred dollars to write your name on them. You know, like I do. But it's like <sighs> we forget, and it is easy to forget that there are lots of people who just like. Like how many p- computer programmers do you think are out there that yeah. are making like 120? Yeah. They're married yeah. but their wife never really loved them. Like they got married because yeah. he had a secure job and she yeah. always wanted a family and yeah. and know. he made 120. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. Like yeah. these are yeah. lots of people and lots of lives and you know, it takes all sorts to make the world go round. I'm not if if anybody's no, right. like hearing me being like bitter about this i'm actually no. really not it I, yeah I think all the it's, power yeah, yeah. it's just like yeah. if there's markets you should exploit those markets absolutely if you can go make a hundred grand let alone 200 grand a month yeah and and you don't have to like go down in like a a, a noxious mine and breathe like shit that's gonna you know kill you you can do it from the comfort of your air-conditioned home yeah with your wi-fi with your vaporizer off camera <laughs> yeah you know what i mean yeah like, what a life, man. Wow. I thought Ninja had a good, holy shit. No, and I mean, I'm sure he does too because he's, yeah, he's but, you know. The the beauty of the Ninja thing is that Ninja did that deal with Microsoft and then for, for Mixer, and Mixer didn't even make it a year, and Ninja still got to keep the, like, 10 million or whatever they gave him, right? So it was like, t- it was. It, I think it was like 2 million a year over five, but cash up front and it went defunct after a year and ninja then got to negotiate with twitch to come back there you know so uh yeah good i also see uh, i also see he's got a clothing line at your local walmart now i'm yeah sure he does <laughs> you know you know you know how much money there is in that stuff though like yeah. and and that's not i'm not even again not flaming it if this sounds like i'm annoyed or disappointed by this i am not um we yeah. were born 10 years too early. Well, I 15 years. These guys who, uh, you know, Kathy Ireland made a little bit of money off being a, uh, off being a model and then made a shitload of money off of selling furniture through Kmart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, anything we didn't touch on that you'd like to touch on before we run away here? Oh dear, oh dear. We didn't mention Aaron Rodgers' name once yet. Oh shit, yeah. Did you <laughs> did you watch that clip I sent you? 
Uh, I did. I did. Uh, Freudian slip. I love it. I I just yep. love. It. I'm actually gonna play it here. Yep. You might not hear it, but it'll it'll come through. So uh, just before you cue that up, can I get yeah. one off my chest here? Sure. Love Malik yourself. Cooker. I've been talking Malik Cooker on the show for geez, well over a month. Uh, he shouldn't have been out there still. Pro Bowl safety when he's healthy. You got to think he's going to stay healthy eventually, even if he doesn't at this stage. Okay, you wash your get hands. What, him, get right? what you can out of him. Yeah. Exactly, man. Exactly. So uh, the Dallas Cowboys, America's team, brought him in. So I, it's not a case of like the Dodgers, the rich getting richer, but it's a good team getting better. I can tell you that fucking. One if he and if he stays on the field. Exactly, man. Yeah, because that defense this guy, needs help. Exactly, and this guy should still be in Indianapolis. Mark my word there. Yeah. Uh, all right, we will leave you with this Aaron Rodgers clip. Uh, Aaron doing his very best to make sure he is thanking the appropriate people. I love this team. I love the you know the fans and the. <laughs> I love this team. I love this uh, uh, the fans. I just couldn't couldn't get organization out of the mouth. Caught himself. Was like, no. Let's make sure that GM knows I still think he's a fuckwit. Yeah. Oh, good stuff. And he is. I mean, you know, like it's it sounding like uh, what Roger said in a very candid press conference yesterday. I uh, love seeing people being open and honest and yep. not just not giving a fuck, right? Yep. Um, and, it, you know, some people were suspecting that some of this was over money. No, nope. turns out it had zero to do with money and it had everything to do with a, they weren't keeping him in the loop on free agency, on offseason, on draft. And they were lowballing and get getting rid of veterans and core players he didn't want to see gone. Uh, Jake Kumaro. Uh, I guess that was one of the final straws when they released Kumaro uh, late last year. And, you know, nickel and diming Devontae Adams, right? I, I don't think that made uh, Aaron Rodgers very happy either. Just final note on Devontae Adams. I don't think the Packers are going to pay him. Or else they would have already. Yeah. Um, look for Devonte Adams to be wearing a different jersey at the start of next season. Well, especially if he has another huge year here. Yeah. Well, if he if he has another huge year, he's going to find himself the richest wide receiver in the history of the sport. Yeah. Well, here's here's a fun hypothetical. Aaron Rodgers and Devonte Adams hook up for you know a sh- two thousand yards or whatever, just a shit ton of yards. Uh, and they both go. And they else. both and they both <laughs> go to the same team. Right? Yeah. Somebody trades you. Are the Raiders, you, yeah. you trade for Rodgers. You say, I tell you what, let us sign your favorite target, too. Yeah. Yeah. And um, then they go win two, two championships with them. Oh, uh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, oh, dare I say it? The Pittsburgh Steelers? Maybe? Yeah. If you're, if you're Aaron Rodgers, what do you want? You want a running back? Yeah. You want an elite defense? Mm-hmm. You want an offensive line, so that part's not great, but you want targets at wide receiver? Competent ownership. Competent and steady ownership. Now, I know the uh, Packers are technically owned by the community, but I mean. Oh, no. I'm going to spend the next year fantasizing about this, aren't I? Mm-hmm. Damn it. All right. Now, his list was what? The Broncos, the Raiders, and who else did he say? But I don't know. Well, I think he wants to be on the West Coast. I think he's probably. Yeah. I think he's exactly. had enough uh, fucking yeah. playing in the snow, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, West Coast kid, absolutely. Yeah. All right, my friend. Uh, everyone, thank you for listening. My name is Charles. He's Nick Smart. As always, we will talk to you again next week. Mm-hmm.